streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined as always by Gabby Urrutia. We are here to present a mailbag-style podcast. Asked the folks at the Through the Smoke message board uh, to give us topics or questions that you want us to touch on here in this dead period month of February, just before the start of spring football and recruiting season opening up again. Uh, things are now dead for recruiting. Uh, today, technically, Gabby, is the traditional National Signing Day, which uh, doesn't really, isn't really much of a thing anymore. Um, and that is definitely the case for Miami in this 2024 cycle. But uh, anyways, we have a lot of good topics to discuss here. Thanks to our posters on the message board. Appreciate those questions. And Gabby, let's start here uh, at the top. And look, let me say this too. I want to do this kind of like a rapid fire-ish type of mailbag. There were some good questions that, you know, require maybe some deeper responses and a lot of time to work through it. I appreciate those questions, but for this mailbag, I just want to do some kind of rapid fire-ish quick hitter type of question and answers as quick as I can do. Cause we know I can ramble uh, once I get going at times, but I uh, want to say that on the front end and, and Gabby, uh, when we posted these, this thread asking for questions or topics, this was what on Tuesday morning, I think I posted it. And so there was plenty of questions regarding the running back coach vacancy. And uh, on Tuesday night, that report started leaking out. Uh, Matt Zenitz of 24-7 Sports was the first to report that Miami is expected to hire Matt Merritt of South Florida to fill that vacancy. Again, we are, you know, less than, we are about 12 hours from that report from Zenitz. So we're still kind of gathering information, learning about who Coach Merritt is. But I know you've checked in with some people, Gabby, uh, to learn about Coach Merritt, uh, what have you gathered? What have you learned about him? Yeah, David, I mean, the more I hear about, uh, you know, Matt Merritt, the more I kind of like what Miami did when the name first kind of surfaced, um, you know, late Tuesday night, which was like, uh, it was like a 10 p.m. news break. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'd never heard the name before, truthfully, you know, I didn't know much about him. But immediately kind of started checking in on just some people who probably would know him or, you know, people reached out to me. Who, who knew of him and, uh, you know, reviews were, were awesome. I mean, talking about how, uh, you know, so it, 
it sounds like Matt Merritt was actually going to be a part of Josh Heupel's UCF staff after mm-hmm. he, he was at James Madison, where he was running backs coach on a team that played for a national title. Uh, you know, they lost to North Dakota state in the FCS title game in 2019. He was going to be on Josh Heupel's UCF staff. And that, that was a transition when Heupel ends up taking the Tennessee job. And rather than, you know, he, he basically ends up joining Josh Heupel's staff as a senior and anal- a senior offensive analyst rather than as a position coach. So he didn't get on the field uh, as a young guy in his early thirties at that point, uh, you know, but he, he got to Knoxville and he made a, you know, a, a lot of really, really good impressions in Knoxville uh, again, spends one year as a analyst at, at Tennessee uh, where, you know, that's where he kind of met Alex Golesh, where he, they end up at, at USF together, but Alex Golesh brings him over from Georgia Southern uh, where he spent the 2022 season. And then, you know, last year at USF, you know, I think uh, both of those guys, uh, first of all, Matt Merritt also got the associate head coaching title. So he was not only running backs coach, got a, you know, a nice, yeah. uh, a nice, uh, you know, tag alongside that. And, uh, you know, I think those two, I mean, really Golesh, you know, I think he did an excellent job of kind of injecting some juice into that USF program. Uh, they had a six win improvement in 2023 uh, and, and uh, Merritt, you know, coached up those running backs, uh, you know, Naquan writes a name Miami fans might be familiar with the former Florida running back uh, he had a career year uh with the Bulls and uh, again just kind of considered we, we talked about the profile right that we were looking for yeah uh, kind of young up-and-comer someone who's gonna be able to recruit uh I, I think I think Merritt checks off all all of those boxes uh just also throughout you know just through digging and stuff like that uh, it, I I heard that Merritt was also a finalist for the South Carolina running backs coach job like a like a, a finalist like we you know one of the top names there they ended up going with um the Blackwell from Texas A&M I believe his name is um and so you know but he was in top consideration for an sec running backs coach job so i think miami got themselves a good one here and uh, i think just maybe he doesn't have a a super long profile of maybe recruiting at a high level but i think you know with the resources at miami and the opportunity that he's going to get i think he's going to do just fine on the road uh just kind of going back back into his career he was also a early on he was a graduate assistant um and like assistant running backs coach or something like that at Ohio state. I think it was like from uh 2013 to 2015, he was a part of that 2015 national, he was on that 2015 national championship team. So, you know, got some hardware uh, from, from his time with the Buckeyes too. And, you know, other stops at the FCS level, uh, Elon uh, Ohio Dominican is another stop that he had. And uh, again, with Georgia Southern USF and, and now Miami. So again, I think that this is a, a good strong hire for, for Mario Cristobal and, and the hurricanes. And I think he has a, a again, People in the industry have a ton of respect for him as an up-and-coming coach. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, just because he's not a big name now doesn't mean he can't be a big-time coach. Uh, we talked about Coach Derek Nicholson uh, last cycle and, and how he's made a, a good impact here as a coach with the with the profile of being young, hungry, smart, um, and, and you know, I think uh, Coach Merritt on on the surface checks a lot of those similar boxes. So he has a huge opportunity here at Miami. Um, you know, it, it's up to him to make the most of it, both as a recruiter, uh, because running back in particular, uh, that position group is one where it's just like physical traits, uh, ability. Uh, if you have good players, you look like a really good running backs coach. And, um, and also too, just I'm encouraged about his offensive background, you know, learning some things from Coach Heupel and Coach Golish uh, from that you know, t- time at Tennessee and also USF. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I, I think it's a, it's a nice, uh, sneaky, under-the-radar hire uh, by Mario Cristobal. We've talked about in the past how 
Coach Cristobal has a good eye for talent when it comes to uh, hiring assistant coaches. You can go look at his track record at all the programs he's led, whether that's FIU, Oregon, or Miami now. Uh, you know, most recently here, landing Coach Guidry as defensive coordinator. He's definitely a rising star that a lot of Power 5 programs were interested in this offseason. Um, so yeah, Coach Merritt, I like the profile. And now it's just up to him to come in and work hard and get the job done. You mentioned how uh, he was a grad assistant at Ohio State. And I like that uh, as a young coach, he was imprinted on what it takes to succeed at the highest level during that time at Ohio State. Um, that was his first exposure really to major college football as an up-and-coming coach. Urban Meyer was leading that program. We know Urban Meyer drives his coaching staff hard in recruiting. We know Mario Cristobal does the same. Uh, he also understands the importance of player development and having talented players. While at Ohio State, he worked with um, you know players like Ezekiel Elliott, Curtis Samuel, uh, worked with guys like Carlos Hyde as well. So he uh, he knows how to dial it up because it, this Tennessee this. Josh Heupel, Alex Golish uh, offense, it gets a lot of um, buzz for the way they spread it out in the pass game, but they also spread it out to run the ball at times too. And they they really do look to be balanced um, and explosive on the ground. And, uh, you know, Coach Merritt definitely will bring some of those ideas. And I think that's important too with these position coaches. I think the more... Smart guys that you have in a room, you know, to bring ideas to game planning, uh, that's always a plus. And I know Coach Harris did that last year. He's a bright mind when it comes to designing run plays, uh, along with Alex Mirabal, Cody Woodiel. I think Coach Merritt will do the same, bringing his ideas uh, from his time at Tennessee and USF. And, and you mentioned USF. I think one of the sneakier, more impressive jobs in the country this year was Alex Golish and, and what he did at USF. You mentioned it. They went from one and 11 to what? Seven and six, six and seven. I, I think seven. I think, and it was, six. I think it was seven and six. Yeah. They won their bowl game quite handily over Syracuse. 45 to zero. Right. And I think the last time USF went bowling period was 2018. So they had been just kind of a loser program yeah. here and Alex Golish got it going here in year one. So, and they ran the ball. I think they had the third best rushing offense in the AAC. So, yeah, number thirty-three nationally. It. I think thirty-two nationally, hundred and eighty-two yards per game. Uh, you know, which again at a lower level, but still more yards per game than Miami average. Miami took a step forward here in twenty twenty-three at one hundred and seventy-three yards per game. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a nice hire, uh, but we'll see how it all plays out, right? At the end of the day, it's it's always, always, always about results. Anything else to add there? Should we hop into the questions? Yeah, let's go. Let's get into the questions. Okay. Uh, staying kind of on a similar theme of, of uh, staff and changes, Asad H0792 asks, should we anticipate any further staff departures? Look, for me, like I don't... I don't really want to go into detail for obvious reasons, but I would probably anticipate more staff changes coming, um, both on field and off field. I don't think it's going to be anything like 
earth shattering, um, you know, in terms of like coordinators leaving or anything like that. Um, but let's see how it plays out. I think there's reason to, you know, and look in this, in this new coaching carousel cycle. And I think this is especially the case for Mario Cristobal when comparing Mario Cristobal to other college coaches. Um, February is kind of a big, a big time for coaching changes for Mario Cristobal. Cause it's just the way he's wired, um, uh, you know, December and January, I think he prefers to focus on talent acquisition, whether that's wrapping up your high school recruiting class with the early signing period. Uh, that's also landing guys in the transfer portal, uh, in December and January. That's also maintaining your roster, uh, as it relates to the transfer portal, uh, in December and January. And, um, and also, you know, here recently in, in late January slash early February, uh, Coach Cristobal was on the road recruiting uh, the next cycle, 2025. So I think all that's out of the way. Things go dead here in the month of February. And that really allows him time to kind of lock in and learn more about the coaches that are out there or might be interested in, in his openings. And it also gives, um, you know, it gives him an opportunity to look at the NFL level coaches. Um, and also it gives his current staff that might not be coming back an opportunity to go get jobs at the NFL level. So that's kind of where I just want to put it. I'm, I don't really want to go into details beyond that, but is there anything else you would want to add Gabby? I think you put it, I think you put it really well. You said it better than I would have for sure. I mean, I think that this is just a time where we're going to see, you know, changes. I think that this is the, the, we're just evaluating the calendar, right. And how insane it is. It seems like February is, is, is the most, maybe the most appropriate time, or at least of time that Mario Cristobal sees uh, as the best window to kind of make these kind of moves. And I think that this is when things have kind of it's happened. What I right? would call it right. Tweaks. I don't right. think it's like major, major changes. At for least sure. it, it would be a surprise. No, no, no. I, I yeah, that, that's all. I mean, I didn't mean to make it seem like bigger than it was, but yeah, I, I think that we could see some sort of movement, you know, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll, let, let's see how things kind of play out. I think if, if we do see some stuff, it'll be, you know, some, some time over the course of the, of this month, you know? Yeah. Um, Paul Erickson asks player leadership has been ascending under coach Cristobal. Uh, he lists Matt Lee, Javian Cohen, Cam Kitchens. They were leaders. Uh, that Miami could lean on last season. Uh, he wants to know who fills that space this year from your vantage point. So yeah. I can I can run yeah, through just some That's of up. the names. Um, you know, I tried to think of it honestly by like by you know position by position, and I think you got to start with you know veteran guys, of course, that have done something. Um, and so you know, look, I think Cam Ward just the nature of, of being a quarterback that has produced, he's going to definitely be put in a leadership role. I do think he's kind of more of a quiet type of guy. Now I do think he's good at connecting with teammates, um, but he isn't necessarily your vocal rah-rah leader type of guy. I think, you know, if we're talking about the quarterback room with those type of guys, like Reese Poffenbarger, Jakari Brown, Emery Williams, are more of those vocal rah-rah type of guys. Uh, I think I would expect Mark Fletcher to step up and be more of a leader this year. He has some real leadership traits to me. I would say the same about Xavier Restrepo. 
Uh, on the O-line, I think it's Jalen Rivers by far. Uh, on the D-line, I think you're looking at Ruben Bain. A guy like Akeem Mesador, kind of a quieter guy. He goes about his business, but uh, kind of a quieter guy. Um, linebacker, I think Kiko Malinoa can, can definitely step up more as a leader. Uh, he's kind of more reserved too, but I think he does talk when he needs to talk, and maybe he's more comfortable here year two in Miami and becomes more vocal. I am curious, Gabby, who emerges as the leader of the secondary. Yeah, Um, that is interesting. you know, I think on paper, you'd probably point to like Daryl Porter. Yeah. Um, but also too, like, you know, Michelle Powell, the, That's the Washington who I was thinking. transfer. Right. I mean, he's I think a new he's guy. someone that, yeah, but I think he have maybe that, that Branson Dean effect where like Right. just kind of older guy who's kind of, you know, kind of, you know, been places, played in big games, Right. all that stuff. Like I, I do think a lot of the secondary, and this is just me. I don't know this. Like I, I'm just, I, I see him as a guy that I could see people kind of, you know, turning to or drawing to because Right. of his experience and his, you know, he played in big, big games and, and stuff like that. I feel like there's not a lot of that on, on this roster. And I feel Right. like Powell's in a unique position where he has played in a lot of meaningful games. Yes, and, and that process starts in the spring with earning that trust and, and going out and performing at a good level here in spring football. Is there anyone else I missed that you think uh, should be brought to the table here? And not anyone else that I can particularly think of. Like you, you, you hit on a lot of the guys that I think would would kind of fit that sort of lead. We're talking about leadership, or like first thing that came to mind was like was like Jalen Rivers, a guy like Ruben Right. Bain, Mark Fletcher for sure has kind of like that alpha, like you know, kind of again just has just natural Pro. people naturally draw to him. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he has a lot of those characteristics. Restrepo, of course. So I mean, everyone that you mentioned, I would say, are probably guys that are going to have to kind of step up. Brandon 2020 asks very early into the off season, but is Cam Ward everything the staff projected him to be? How special can this season be with a proven quarterback on campus? And look, it's it's very, very early. I mean, most of the stuff they're doing is just very like basic workout type stuff at this point. A lot of strength and conditioning stuff, and then a lot of just, you know, players organizing stuff on their own, getting work in. But I am getting, you know, positive feedback in terms of the way, again, he's connecting with players. He isn't the most vocal guy, but he does seem to make have made a nice first impression in that way. In terms of like skills, um, again, you know. I wouldn't read too much into it just because, you know, they're not playing like real football right now, of course. Uh, but the feedback I get is he throw he does throw a nice deep ball. Um, and you know, he he's he's doing a nice job flashing some talent here in these in these little throwing sessions that that the quarterbacks are doing right now. Yeah, for me, I mean, just just piggyback off of that, like, you know, just me kind of putting some feelers out, Uh, you know, this is verbatim, kind of like the message I got, the chemistry between Jacoby Jordan and Cam Ward is unreal and going to get better. So, you know, I think, again, it's early stuff. They're not playing real football, but I think... Uh, I, I think he's it's he's he's impressing people around the program. Uh, Yeah. I think he's showing that he the you know the arm talent obviously, and you know Jacoby George obviously is a guy who can who can make plays when he kind of turns it on and and those types of things. And you know again we we need to continue to see those types of progressions. But I think early on, you know, it's kind of you know we're getting we're getting I, at least I'm getting good good Cam Ward feedback, Yeah, and absolutely. uh, I think it's just. I think people are optimistic that it's just going to continue to compound and, and grow and, you know, it's, it's all going to work out.
Staying on a similar topic, BA4 Canes asks, what's your prediction of Cam's stats for passing yards, rushing yards, passing touchdowns, and interceptions this season? You want to okay. go first? You want sure. me to go? Sure. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm gonna be Mr. Brightside over here. Um, so I, I have Cam thrown for 3,700 yards. That would be a Miami Ooh. singles Miami single Miami single season record. I looked, I just looked up the single season record and I'm just like Let's go. Let's let let's be optimistic. Cam breaks it. Okay. Um, I'm breaks gonna go. Bernie Kozar's record, correct? Bernie, I was surprised that it was. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Yeah. I, I need a. I need a brush up on my Miami Hurricanes football history. I didn't realize it went that far back. Sling I thought Kyer. Yeah, I thought Kyer Dorsey would have for sure had it. Um, the then I had him going for 28 touchdowns, which is kind of similar to what he's kind of done in the past. So 28 passing touchdowns. Uh, I had eight inter- I had my eight interceptions, uh, and then I just went like ninety one rushing yards. I don't know, just kind of threw a number out there. Okay, yeah. I mean, look, I said again, this is just for fun, right? I mean, right, who, exactly. Who that's knows? why. That's why I can just throw these numbers out. <laughs> uh, you know, so I in. I talked about it just like in a twelve game sample, so just like the regular season, and I I said something like thirty two hundred passing yards, one hundred and fifty rushing yards, twenty eight touchdowns, and seven picks. Um, you know, not crazy stats because I do think Mario Cristobal wants to be efficient, wants to be balanced, wants to control games on offense. Um, but again, that, that's through 12 games. And look, if Miami plays in the ACC championship game, that's 13 games. If Miami plays, you know, if they make it in the college football playoff, that's potentially 14 games. All those stats will, um, you know, eclipse what i projected um and also too let's see if they go out and get like a proven wide receiver one in the portal honestly gabby the stats that interest me most weren't the stats that were asked for in this question and that would be how many rushing touchdowns does cam ward Mm -hmm. accumulate and how many fumbles does he have um i think he had what eight rushing touchdowns if i remember Mm -hmm. in, in 2023 and look, that threat is huge for scoring uh, inside the red zone instead of settling for field goals, of course. And we've discussed at length on this podcast how Ward averages about a fumble per game, uh, which, of course, he needs to clean up. So I honestly don't have any concerns about the passing stuff. Uh, I want to know what element can he bring in the red zone as a runner converting touchdowns uh, when he needs to. And also, can he protect the football better than he's shown at the college level in terms of fumbling? So we'll see how those play out. 813 Kane Squad asks, is the overall size and speed of the team where you would like to see it? Mario always says it has to look a certain way. Do you think we are there yet in terms of how the team looks compared to an SEC or Big Ten team? We don't have any five foot nine linebackers or six foot starting offensive linemen, Manny Diaz era staples. So I think we are well on our way to being where Mario wants us to be. So for me, Gabby, like I do think things are on the right track. Um, I still think it probably takes another cycle or two of recruiting to (laughs) really get there across the board. Um, But I do think like at the line of scrimmage positions, things are starting to look much better on the offensive line and the defensive line, especially just the starting groups. The starting groups, no doubt, 
look the way you want it to look. For sure. That second unit is getting there. I think it's like half halfway there on the O line, maybe, and then um, no, I mean it's there on on with the. Second I would say unit. it's the yeah. Looks I mean, I think wise. it's there. Yeah, right. body type wise, yeah. Um, and on the D line, I think it's getting there too. I I would like to see a little bit more big body tackles. That's in exactly terms of, what I said. <laughs> in terms of the depth, um, quarterback room to me like looks the way you want it physically. Mm-hmm. No issues there. Running back room to me can still be a little improved. You know, Same. it's fine to have smaller guys, but they need to be very dynamic. And so I think the smaller guys that they have now, you'd wish they were a little more dynamic. Um, receiver room to me is improving, still needs work. Uh, you know, I, I like the young talent, but they got to start coming. They got to start, you know, pushing for legitimately legitimate snaps. I like the linebacker room, how they look. No issues there. I think the starting secondary looks the part, but the raw athleticism and depth kind of concerns me a little bit uh, at cornerback and safety. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Nah, yeah, I mean, a lot of what I said was like, I, I just, again, just as far as what it's supposed to look like, I think wide receiver uh, running back are still just a little bit, or just not where you want it to be quite yet. Just a lot of the reasons that it's you- getting there. Kind of mentioned, yeah, and, and look, Miami, like I just think even in this 2025 recruiting cycle, like I think they're at running back, especially. I think that there's intention to recruit bigger. You know, they want to get yeah. bigger at running back. I again they they do have some smaller guys, and you know, some of the big body backs that they like, you know, Travante Citizen, it just hasn't kind of come together because he's just Bad he luck. hasn't been healthy. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunate. Can't really yeah. control. You got Jordan Lyle coming in, he'll he'll contribute to that. But Miami definitely wants to get bigger. Uh, they definitely want to get bigger at receiver. You know, of course, you know, you get you got guys like you know, Jacoby George and Xavier Streppel, which are fine. And you know, you just want to continue to level it up, right? Um, and then like you said, I think defensive tackle, I think that just overall depth, I think that there's still a couple body types away from being from again, what do you want it to look like at the end of the day? Like I think there's still maybe a cycle away from that. Uh Justin Scott and Artavius Jones in the summer will certainly help. Right. Those guys are already like six four, three hundred pounders. Horton coming Josh, along yep. would help. Yeah, yeah Ahmad Moten. I think he's another one that him coming along. Uh, but like I think it's definitely trending the right way. They're getting it to where they want yes. it to be. It's just, you know, it, t- it takes a, a little bit more time. That would and then would definitely agree about the secondary. It's just like I feel like those starters. Uh, you know, on all levels and maybe, I don't know, I'm not going to say the too deep, but like maybe a, a, a depth piece or two maybe look the way that it should, but it's still uh, I still think too. I think the starters are good enough. Like, I think it's fine. But I I think you could nitpick the starters and say, are they athletic enough? Like, do they yeah. have the, you know, if if they're facing a burner at wide receiver, are you nervous? A lot of the same issues that we've had over the last couple of years, like like right. that's always been our, the, the concern, right? Yeah. I don't feel like yes. we've kind of addressed that yet. Yes. Definitely needs to be addressed uh, in this 25 recruiting class. Um, the new Miami asks, why weren't you sold on Luke nickel Miami's <laughs> quarterback, 2025 recruit or commit uh, prior to a seven on seven team winning the tournament in Miami. So, you know, Gabby, I think we both can bring perspective to this. For sure. Um, I know for like me, you know, yeah, I mean, he's from the state of Georgia, right? And, and so the the first time I saw him was in the summer, last summer at a camp in Miami. And, you know, in that setting, he's just not the type of guy that's necessarily going to wow you with his physicality. He's not the biggest guy uh, and he doesn't have the biggest arm 
necessarily. And then, you know, Gabby, you can speak on this, you know, when it's your time to talk on this. Uh, but you saw him in South Florida play a team. Yes, it was tough conditions, uh, you know, in terms of weather and elements, uh, but he didn't necessarily, you know, wow anyone with that performance. He put together a very strong 2023 season, though. And then, uh, you know, you watch him compete in the seven-on-seven setting. And, you know, he's the type of guy, because he is somewhat limited physically, he needs to have the superpower of, you know, being able to process quickly and throw with accuracy. And he does have those traits. So, you know, look, I have changed my mind on him. Uh, and I'm always, always, always going to be willing to admit when I'm wrong on, on a guy or when, you know, I see something that makes me think differently on a player, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, now this doesn't mean he's like definitely going to be a superstar at Miami. He still has to keep working and improving. But I think where I'm at right now is... I, I think he's definitely good enough to eventually be a starter at Miami, whenever that is, if he, you know, puts the puts the work in and, and you know, sticks it out, whatever the timeline is on that. Um, but this is this is why player evaluation is so interesting because you can change your mind on guys. Guys are allowed to get better and improve. Guys are allowed to have, you know, maybe a bad day. Um, and then, you know, you see them a different time and they're much better, much improved. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, again, player evaluation is always fluid and anyone who, you know, has an opinion and blindly sticks to an opinion based on a first impression, isn't doing it right. So that's where I'm at. I was, you know, not, un not high on Luke the first time I saw him, but I have changed my thoughts on that. Yeah, a, a lot of the same things, David. I mean, we we've. I mean, I guess I saw him just at one time against Western, but you watch him in, you know, throwing inside the the IPF, and you know, it's a non-competitive setting. It's not like he's having to kind of thread windows. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's just kind of throwing in shorts, and like you said, you know, he's not, he's not the biggest. The you know, he's not like he, you don't see him and eye him up and just think, oh my goodness, like you know, you're not like overly like wowed by just the the physical, which is fine. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that that's like a bad thing, but it's tough, at least for me personally. Like I'm not a you know expert on the quarterback evaluation setting to see to like you know to be able to like you know dissect all that. Miami loved him, you know, after that session. Uh, you know, they, they took his commitment, obviously, right after that. And then again, we watch him against West, watched him against Western. And yeah, you know, it was a little windy. The field was a little muddy and stuff like that. Um, but again, I just think when there was times for him to kind of drive the ball. Right. I, I feel like that was something that kind of, you know, just wasn't super prominent. Like he didn't have that big, you know, gunslinging type of arm. But, you know, he did make good. He made great throws in that game again when it was kind of like that short to intermediate when he a lot of the stuff we kind of saw, you know, on Sunday. Uh, I mean, not, yeah. you know, that at that seven on seven, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff did kind of come up, you know, when it was kind of short field and he had to kind of he was kind of in the end zone like he did deliver some balls yeah, like, you know, in, in that type of environment where it was like, OK, that was a good throw. But my overall concern, I didn't even think anything that like too negatively. I just thought he didn't maybe have the biggest arm. Um, but everything else, you know, did kind of show up in hindsight that we are kind of seeing now that we're so impressed by. And then watching him at the seven on seven, I mean, to me, you know, he was 
he was dicing some of these defenses up. And like you're talking about, David, that 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 processing, that ability to kind of just anticipate a window and then deliver yeah. a strike and have his 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 receiver, you know, right there in stride where he could only get it. I mean, just stuff like that where, where you, you see those types of things. And it's like it's like it's like you said, like guys, guys are allowed to get better. I mean, guys are allowed to allowed to improve. And Luke, Luke Nichols cer- certainly did. He had an incredible season in Georgia's highest classification. Uh, he won a state title. He beat really good, you know, just nationally right. prominent programs on the road to doing that. Uh, you know, he he played an awesome game. I mean, he played, he had an awesome junior year. And uh, again, we, we were only sh- sharing what we knew with the information that we kind of had on him at that point based on what we've seen. So yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I feel very differently about Luke nickel today than I did a few weeks ago. And I think that's fine. And, you know, we'll continue to go through the process. It's, it's February. So, you know, I think we're, I think we still have a lot of learning to do on a lot of guys. I think too, one thing to say about him is he does have, it, it seems like he has the it factor. And that's one thing I like about this quarterback room. Uh, you know, it seems like Chikari has that Emery has that, uh, seems, you know, the, the, the buzz around Reese Poffenbarger is that he has that as well. Uh, we're still learning about Judd and, uh, Cam Ward, to be honest, but, uh, a lot of guys that care about football, you can tell that Luke Nickel really cares about football. Um, so anyways, uh, on to the next question. Tally Kane 10 wants to know who do y'all view as the three or sorry, as the top three must get recruits for the 2025 class yeah for me uh you know dj pickett we talk about corner safety whatever in the world he is uh dj pickett to me is in that category of uh of kind of must get Uh, i think he's i think he's unreal uh you know he's obviously a very unique special talent who again if you click on his 24 7 sports profile has him listed at 62 170 he's significantly taller than 62 um maybe i can try to get some verified stuff on my end just from the weekend i feel like you know he's uh i feel like he, he he's the real deal i think he's he's totally the real deal um number two for me is going to be dallas wilson uh you know big again we're talking about outside wide receiver i think he's uh yeah i think he's uh, a I think he's a total stud, you know, again, I think he's exactly what Miami's looking for. Obviously he's a, he's exactly what a lot of people are looking for, but at six, six foot three, uh, pushing 190 pounds these days. I think that, um, I think that, you know, Dallas Wilson is another one that I would probably put into that, like sort of must get uh, category. And the third for me, I'm going to go with Zayden Walker, the five-star linebacker out of, uh, you know, Ellaville, Georgia, Schley County. Uh, Miami's been extremely active in that recruitment. Uh, I think Miami just wants to continue to get fast, athletic, uh, you know, and and in that front seven, I think Zayden Walker has the ability to, you know, I think he brings potential to rush the passer. Uh, I think he can, you know, do stuff in coverage. I think Zayden Walker's is kind of the total package when 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 he's turned when he when he kind of turns it on. And I think Zayden Walker could be a, a potential, you know, difference maker, uh, you know, in, in that linebacker room and just in that defense as they again continue to take strides to being what they kind of want to be. So th- those are three names that kind of pop out initially as far as just like guys I feel like Miami needs to get this cycle. Yeah, I wouldn't push back on any of those names. I, I echo you and DJ Pickett. I would also add, just because I think corners just a huge need and a local guy that I think has some upside probably will need some time to like gain weight and all that. But Ben Hanks to me yeah. is a guy that you got to get if you're Miami, uh, another six, one, six, two corner, uh, with some ability. 
And then I, everyone knows by now that listens to this podcast, I'm a big Vernell Brown guy. Yeah. So, you know, just in turn, like, I don't know, maybe not the huge, the biggest position of need uh, in terms of like a 5'11 wide receiver, but I just think he's a guy that brings juice to your locker room and to the field and total stud, playmaker, wide receiver, corner, probably should should be a wide receiver at the college level because that's just more fun to play. Um, but I, I think he's a total, total, total stud. Um, so those would be my three. J-M-O-G Burn asks, can Chris Johnson find a way to get on the field and get some touches? So Chris Johnson was the 2023 running back signee along with Mark Fletcher. Uh, took a redshirt year last year. Uh, has, you know, some track level speed to his game i think he ran what maybe a 10 400 yeah something crazy yeah i think it was in the 10 4 range um so it brings legitimate home run speed and, and look i think internally there's a big appetite for getting chris johnson going this year uh but he's got to go out and earn it and i think you know i think again internally they recognize hey we would like to be maybe a little more explosive running the ball in 2024 this is a guy that can bring, you know, potentially bring that to the offense. And so I think Chris Johnson is going to have some opportunities in 2024 to show what he can do. Yeah. And you just, I mean, they were both kind of, you know, digging on, you know, some of this winter workout stuff, how guys are performing. And I think one name that I've gotten back, you know, that as just one of the, and we, again, this isn't super surprising news. I think we, we know this, uh, you know, obviously everything you said, the, the speed is outrageous, uh, but you know, everyone, a lot of people consider Chris Johnson, one of the best pure athletes on the team. Uh, you know, so I think and I think when he was kind of coming into the college game, I, I think one of the main concerns was just his just natural ability to carry the ball. Uh, you know, I think that that's something that he just needed to kind of work on as just a, as just a, a running back, just being a pure running back. Um, and I, I think he's he, he he was a summer arrival, I believe. So I think it's just now this is going to be like his first full off season. I think it's right. going to be really big for him. Uh, and I, I think there could absolutely be a window for for Chris Johnson to to carve out a role, but I think it's going to be, you know, determined on his development and how much he just continues to grow. As we know, as a running back at Miami, you need to be able to do kind of everything. Uh, you know, you got, I think the pass pro is going to be a big part of it, but I just think when it comes to just getting pure speed on the field, get your best athletes uh, in space, get the ball into their hands. I think Chris Johnson could definitely carve out a role. And again, I, I think he's, he's too fast. He's too explosive to keep off the field. And as long as right. he kind of continues to handle his business and continue to grow and develop, I think Chris Johnson could, could definitely find a, a path to playing time. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know how many touches or snaps a game that looks like right now. Um, but I think that he could, I think he's someone that could get opportunities to play and how, if he makes the most of those, I think that he can definitely find a role. Dr. Swole asks, I saw Gabby say on Twitter that Jojo trader has been turning heads and can have an early impact. Can he elaborate on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, just kind of going, just digging on some of this off season stuff. I mean, Jojo trader is a name that just, I just keep getting back as just one of like, I think people are kind of just blown away by his athleticism. Again, it's just, yeah. it's, it's just the, the the things that Jojo trader can do. And, you know, Miami kind of pounding the table. Like he was kind in, in a way, like if Jojo trader was on, if he was kind of the star of the show of his own team, like Jojo trader would be, I mean, people would be, but I feel like, you know, Jojo trader in some ways, and I think he's individually earned 
you know, a, a strong reputation for himself, obviously. But, you know, J- Jeremiah Smith was was the guy at Chaminade. Uh, you know, J- Jojo Trader, in, in a lot of ways, is kind of like that second fiddle type. Uh, but I think now that he's kind of just on his own path, I think it's just become so clear to Miami just watching him just work, uh, watching him do what he does. I mean, Jojo Trader has like freaky athletic. I mean, uh, one person that, you know, I checked in with literally just put in all capital letters, freak athlete. Like that's that was how they described Jojo Trader. So I'm just getting good feedback, man, on just the way that he's kind of been the impressions that he's making on on the staff, on, on, on the people around the program early on. And again, this is just his physical traits, right? I'm not saying that he's going to be star day one wide receiver out like guy or anything like that. Maybe he is, I don't know, but I think just through these, this early portion of the winter workouts season, uh, Jojo trader is someone that's physically impressing with his, you know, kind of insane athleticism. Justin Ibarra 65 asks, how much pressure is on Mario to get to 10 wins and what would be an acceptable floor for this season? So, you know, they, I will, I'll say this. They definitely know internally that they need to win this year. It's year three, you know, they've been provided plenty of resources uh, in terms of NIL that has gone into the roster and improving the roster. And uh, you know, Miami went out along with that Miami went out and, and landed a big time transfer quarterback. A lot of resources have to go into that. Um, but I think too, you know, there's a recognition of, okay, it's time to start winning now in year three, uh, because if we're keeping it real, Miami has underachieved relative to its talent level these first two years of the Mario Cristobal era. Uh, and so they they need to go out and maximize this year. And also too, just year three is so big for the trajectory of any coach. Uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tipping point uh, for any coach. If a year, if a coach doesn't make it uh, by year three, it's very difficult for them to kind of get the ship righted after that because the negative momentum can be hard to overcome. So, for me, you know, look, if we're and I'll say this, like internally, everyone kind of recognizes that there is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it pressure, but there is a need to go out and deliver some results this year. And, and, you know, for me, if, if I'm putting a number on what is an acceptable floor, I think it's 10 wins and and I don't care how you get there. I don't care if it's Miami wins nine games in the regular season, and then they go win a bowl game and get their 10th win. I don't care if Miami wins 10 games in the regular season and then don't win any postseason games. Uh, to me, this is the time to go out and finish the year with 10 wins whatever that looks like. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, again, the floor, I put at least nine. I I mean, I put nine wins. Again, I think there's an argument that, you know, maybe it's got to be 10, whatever that looks like. And maybe I was just thinking regular season. Uh, But I think, I mean, I think this is just a year that we have to see the results, right? I'm not even saying that you need to win an expanded playoff game or anything like that. I just think that this needs to be the year where everyone kind of knows that like Miami's Miami's going the way that it's going. And I think, uh, you know, th- I think they need to kind of finally put it together. Like, Hey, what we've been building the last two years is, is real. Uh, and now here's kind of a taste of what we're going to be moving forward because, and then it, it only elevates from there. Yeah. I think that there, I think 2024 has to be a year of results. Like there's no more of the, 
Hey, yeah, you know, first first year's a mess. Get it, you know, totally understand. It was it was a nightmare. It was nightmarish. Year two, you're still kind of dealing with with certain things, and you know, a couple things here and there didn't go your way, and you know, whatever. Like, there's nothing this like this year. It's got to be you. You just got to go win football games, man. Uh, you got to do it. This is the time to go get it done. And uh, again, I mean, this has to be a, a nine or ten win team. The schedule's the easiest that it's going to be. Uh, you know, again easy yeah. in the way that it's it's you know it gets tougher like the 2025 schedule is you got you got is much harder than 2024 schedule like this is a big um kind of elevation year i don't know take off you i don't I, I feel like this needs to be the point where miami just just really you know takes that next step as a program i think this 2024 season is extremely 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 important golf coast kane 239 asks what position groups will you be closely monitoring during spring ball? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar, just like we were talking about, like leader. Like I feel like every, at every position, I'm looking at certain things. Yeah, right? like, I mean, I'm know. a nerd, so I like every like. There's yeah, something I'm, to monitor at every everywhere. Single. But I mean, for me, like starters, safety, I think is like just how's it look, you know? Yeah, what's that gonna look like? Because Camp Kitchens and James Williams are talented players, and, and I think they, you know the totality of the season last year, they, they performed at a nice level. And so how close can this safety group get to that? I think is something to start understanding, but you know, if we're talking just every like quarterback, I'm interested in just how Cam Ward looks, um, the backups. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about backups. Like I'm like, I'm right. like locked in on QB two right now. Like right. I'm, I'm like all about like that backup quarterback race. I mean, left guard Running. to me is yeah. I mean, everything. Running back, uh, Mark Fletcher's out because he's yep. coming back from his surgery. And so that's who's going to step up. Um, tight end, you know, is Elijah Arroyo good to go? Yeah. Uh, wide receiver, can JoJo Trader um, step up and, and really make a case like, nah, you don't need to go get a wide receiver transfer. I can be that guy. I think that's a big ask, but maybe he can do that. Maybe he can make that type of statement. Also, young guys like... Ray Ray Joseph, Robbie Washington, mm -hmm. uh, are they ready for more? Uh, D-line, there's new D-linemen. Uh, what do they look like? So I love it all. Uh, yeah. You know, but if I'm just going to name one that I think really matters, you know, for game one and for the season in particular, I want to know what that safety group kind of looks like, you know, during the course of the spring. Yeah, I think, I think safety is a good one. I mean, just to kind of, again, echo a lot of what you're saying, like, Again, what is like even like outside wide receiver? Like uh, you talk talk about JoJo Trader, like can Isaiah Horton kind of right. take a next step? Uh, you know, even on the offensive line, like you know, there's obviously a left guard vacancy. I think that's going to be interesting. Like I don't particularly know. I don't think Francis Mauigo is going to be available for the spring. Like who's gonna who's gonna kind of work at right tackle? Like we're gonna see a new tackle body. Is Samson Lola going to get a chance to rotate at tackle? Are we gonna see some Markel Bell? Like what what is the offensive line rotation? Or like, you know, the the that first five kind of looked like with someone getting an opportunity to get a ton of reps at right tackle. And again, an opening at left guard. So what does that competition look like at, you know, along the offensive line? Uh, you know, just, just things like that, where it's all cornerback. Like, I think cornerback is interesting with Damari Brown. Uh, Jadis Richard, can he take that next step? Like, I think he's someone that could potentially compete maybe. Uh, and then safety obviously is fascinating too. And if Kiko Mauigoa, no, another one, like I'm not sure if he's going to be available for spring either. Like can one of these young linebackers factor in, like how can those guys kind of step up? And then, you know, there's a lot, like there's a lot to watch. Like, you know, even, even, you know, with some of the best players potentially not 
out there, I think it's still going to be a lot of fun to to watch this, you know, some of those deeper position battles. Yeah. And we should just be clear, like the Maui Noah brothers, it's like a cleanup surgery type. Yeah, deal, yeah, yeah. So, it's nothing. Too, um, it's nothing too serious. OK, so next question comes from D Cologne seven. He says pod on my 21st birthday. What a great birthday gift from you guys. Thank you. Fun question. Do you remember your 21st birthday? What position group do you guys see taking a step back from last year? And what about a group you think is going to take a step forward? Can't answer quarterback for that one. Uh, first off, happy birthday. Uh, look, in terms of 21st, I'll be honest. Like, I don't really remember my 21st birthday, but it's not because it, like it was anything crazy necessarily. It's more so just like, man, it was like 17 years ago. I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what I did. Um, but, you know, I'm sure I did something fun and you should definitely go out and have some fun. Yeah. So happy birthday. Happy 21st birthday. How about you, Gabby? You remember yours? I do. Uh, I, I didn't, again, no, no, nothing too crazy. You know, I think I did like, like mid, like late night tailgating or early morning tailgating for chili cook-off. Um, and then I left and I had like, you know, just did a regular, I guess, bottomless brunch. And yeah, I, I left my car at the chili cook off because I it turns out you can't leave. You can only enter. You can't leave. So I got stuck. My car got stuck there. So I had to go back over there to like pick it up at like an appropriate time where people were actually leaving the event because I didn't stay for it. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of fun. My dad was mad at me because we had to go all the way back to Fort Lauderdale to pick up my car. I'm not familiar with chili cook off. Tell me. It's more. just like a country. It's like a country music festival. Okay. And I think there's like a literal chili cook off. So like you actually there's like an actual like people cooking. Are you a chili, chili. guy? I'm not. I just went for the okay. country music and the tailgating. Okay. And not even the country music because I didn't actually stay for the festival. So truthfully, I just went for the and people tailgate like all night. So it's just like a, you get there at like 11 p.m. or something and just kind of, you know, party and tailgate. And then in the morning, uh, you know, it everything kind of just starts. So at least that's how it was back on my around the time of my 21st birthday it's at that cb smith park um off 75 okay so, yeah, yeah i mean i'm my... sure i went to the grove but i don't remember details uh again not for any crazy reason just yeah nothing nothing crazy um in terms of step back i think you know it's kind of obvious where i stand safety is is kind of what i would expect to take a step back i just yeah. i i think the question is how much of a step back um, step forward, you know, maybe it's a cop-out answer. Cause I think it's just kind of like injury. It's an injury based answer, but I would expect tight end. That's what I wrote. Take a step forward, especially if Elijah Roy is good to go. Yeah. And I think a part of the reason why I wrote tight end was because again, I've heard that Elijah Royal kind of, again, I've like kind of been hearing this for a little bit, but I mean, hearing that Elijah Royal looks like his old self, you know, like he looks like who he was, uh, you know, fully healthy. Uh, so Good. I think that's why I kind of, I wrote tight end there just cause I think we're going to, you know, let's, as of right now, it seems like we're going to get a healthy Elijah Royal. So if he can get back into, you know, the groove of things, I think that the Miami's tight end position has a chance to be, Pretty, pretty, you know, good. You know, they'll be able to actually use it. And uh, again, I obviously still encouraged about Riley Williams and what he's doing. And yep. I think Elijah Lofton physically is going to have a chance to compete just based on his skill set and the different ways that they can potentially use him. And as long as he can hold up at the line of scrimmage, which I think he has the strength to do already, uh, I think that uh, I think that he has a chance. So I, I like the tight end room uh, more, you know, as they kind of continue to develop and getting Elijah Royal back. 
Haynes Cowboys ask, is there internal confidence Miami can keep Damari Brown? So this question is based on, you know, Devontae Brown, Damari's older brother, transferred to Florida State. I think, you know, I think we've hinted at it on this podcast. It's easy to point to the relationships, but, you know, with the Brown family and some of the coaches up at Florida State. Uh, Pat Sertain was a coach, was the head coach at American Heritage. I believe he probably coached Devontae. I don't know if he coached Damari specifically. Yeah, he might. If he um, coached Damari, it was probably when he was really young. Right. But like, there's you know, maybe a obviously a relationship yeah. and respect there. Cornerback coach, uh, big time cornerback for the Miami Dolphins back in the day. And, uh, and obviously, and also to Randy Shannon played with their father, Selwyn Brown at the university of Miami back in the day. So, you know, look, I think it's easy to, to worry about Damari following Devante, uh, to Florida state in the spring transfer portal window. And look, the way I'll characterize it right now is I don't think there's like a feeling either way at this point, but I think there is kind of a recognition of, Hey, let's see how it goes. Obviously, Miami would love to keep Damari Brown on its roster. Uh, he's kind of viewed as as one of the top young guys on the roster. So um, they love his talent and ability. And, you know, it it, it would be a blow to Miami's secondary uh, if he were to follow his brother to Florida State. I don't know if you have anything else to add on that, Gabby. Yeah, no, again, I think it's just one of those situations that Miami's going to have to, you know, kind of continue potentially battle it out and and see what kind of happens at the end of the day. But obviously Miami would love to keep Damari Brown. And uh, that's the plan. That's the goal. Just got to kind of see how where, where the chips fall at the end of the day. So, uh, again, probably going to have to sweat it out, uh, continue to sweat it out and just see, see, see where it all goes. But obviously, again, Damari Brown has a unique opportunity where he started games as a freshman at a position that's very difficult to do that. And uh, as a sophomore is in position to have a full-time starting role going into that season as a summer arrival. So he hasn't even been in college for a year. So, I mean, yeah, I think he's got plenty of opportunity uh, at a, at a program, you know, that's obviously close to home and all that he chose to go to out of high school. Uh, so wh whatever happens at this point, I think is just, you know, ultimately in his hands and let's see what happens. Paul Erickson asks, who are some starter or sorry, non-starter, breakout candidates this year guys who will get snaps and if they make the most of them Miami will be significantly better yeah for me go, yeah for me uh I mean I wrote down a couple names uh Isaiah Horton is one that again I I, I I still feel like I am still kind of intrigued by him like I still feel like there's kind of something there uh sure. again I, I so I think he has I think he's someone that has a chance especially here in the spring uh, yeah. you know Miami's gonna spend you know, the, the spring transfer window on the absolute hunt for a wide receiver. Um, and he has an opportunity to kind of, you know, make it. I still think they'll probably go get a wide, an outside wide receiver. Like, I don't think that they would elect not to unless he just really like pops off. But I think it would I think that he would have an opportunity to be, you know, more, have more of a role in this offense. And I think he has a chance to, you know, just give them some more juice and give them a reason to to, to give himself an opportunity to play a lot. You really, uh, truthfully, uh, you know, play a lot. So I think Isaiah Horton has a very, very good opportunity now uh, in spring football with no Kobe Young. Uh, obviously, they did not go get an outside re wide receiver in the transfer portal. So I think Isaiah Horton has a fantastic opportunity. Uh, Jadis Richard, another one who I think has a great opportunity, just second year in the program as a summer transfer. 
transfer last year or spring late spring transfer last year uh, that I think has a chance to again carve out a role I think people would think he's very very talented just needed a little bit more refining and I think this is going to be a, a big spring for him and if he emerges I think that helps Miami's cornerback room a lot uh, same deal with Ahmad Moten, big body along the interior, who I think could be a, a solid rotational defensive tackle if he makes the most of an opportunity. And last one I would throw in there is Tommy Kinsler. Uh, I think he has a chance to earn a starting job. He's not a starter right now, but I think he has a chance to earn one. And again, just kind of in my in my search for you know how some of this winter stuff's going, Tommy Kinsler is. Again, because the last offseason it was the same, right? When we were when he had gotten here, how how impressive they how impressed they were with Tommy Kinsler. Uh Tommy Kinsler is considered again, he's in that category of like potential best athletes on the team, period, at six, six and a half, three forty-ish, three fifty-ish. Um, so Tommy Kinsler is someone I I'm extremely excited about, and I think Miami's extremely excited about. Yeah, so I, I interpreted this question as like who's who who are guys that are not gonna start but maybe be rotational players that will make a difference. And so for me, that's, you know, I look at the linebacker room, guys like Popo Aguirre, Marcellius, uh, yeah. Pulliam, and Bobby Washington as well. I think those three guys can, uh, you know, raise the level of the room year over year. Uh, I would love it if Josh Horton could step up. We'll see if this is the year, or if he needs another year. Um, so, I, I, I like those names you brought as well. Uh, third, Kane asks, which of the newcomers, freshmen and transfers are making some noise? Yeah, for me, uh, I mean, again, I, I've already highlighted JoJo Trader uh, plenty. Uh, Savion Riley, we talked about the safety room. I think Savion Riley, the Vanderbilt transfer safety is another one I've gotten. You know, I, I've heard positive things about, you know, just his length, his, you know, knowledge of the game. Uh, I think he's someone that has a chance to be a difference maker at Miami. We'll see again. I think this is going to be his third college year and he only really played, uh, you know, last year uh, didn't play as at all as a true freshman. So, but I, I think he has, he has a shot. Uh, Marquis Lightfoot, just people just kind of keep going on and on and on about the motor, the Twitch that he has. Uh, of course he needs to put, he needs to put on weight, but I think everyone's extremely encouraged that, you know, the weight when, when he does put on the weight, he's just going to be, you know, a premier pass rusher in this program. Uh, you know, so people are extremely excited about uh, Marquis Light. But another one, another pass rusher I've gotten good feedback on is is Cole McConathy. Uh, you know, the the Alabama, uh, you know, he, he's from the state of Alabama, Miami, you know, flipped him from Louisville uh, during the during the football season. I think in November, uh, you know, people were saying like he's going to be a very good football player. Uh, again, he's another one that's probably going to have to pack on weight, continue to get kind of thicker. But I think that he has a chance that, again, what I'm hearing is that he just – he has a chance to be a, a, a real ball player too. So those are those those are just a few guys. Uh, oh, Bobby Pruitt is another one yeah. who I've gotten very good feedback on. A uh, Cameron Pruitt, the linebacker out of Alabama, who the Hurricanes signed. Uh, yeah. I, I think that he again. I think he's considered one of the best overall athletes on the team. Uh, you know, in just when in my search for some for some answers there, like gotten awesome Bobby Pruitt feedback. So he he's definitely another one I want to highlight. Yeah, and you've already touched on JoJo Trader at length, so he's another guy that would yeah definitely qualify here in terms of like transfers. Uh, you know, I, I'll I'll say that I've I've gotten some good feedback on Reese Poffenbarger's accuracy. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a guy that can push the ball downfield uh, with with arm strength or anything, but uh, he has made a nice impression in regards to his accuracy. So that is encouraging. Shirtless Sheriff asks your favorite recruit 
in the 2025 class, despite ranking or chance of landing this recruit? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple guys that come to mind. What, what, one of the guys that I just, I love for, I don't even know what reason is Malik Autry, the defensive lineman out of Opelika, Alabama. He's an Auburn commit who's definitely shown Miami some love and Miami's definitely recruiting him. He's listed at 6'6", 280. I think he might be a little bit bigger than that these days. I'm not sure exactly what his measurements are, uh, but hopefully when he visits Miami in March, uh, we'll be able to get our hands on, on some of that. But Miami's recruiting him. His tape is extremely fun. He's uh, extremely disruptive from the interior defensive line. I like just love defensive tackles. I love interior defensive linemen. I just think that like, I think that's one area if I was built, like I, I obviously that's the hardest, one of the hardest areas positions to recruit. But uh, I, I think that, I don't know. I'm fascinated with these guys in Miami's pursuit of them. And yeah. Malik Autry is a guy that just like pops off the tape for me. Like, I think he's, I think he's awesome. I'll say DJ Pickett for yeah, reasons he's, he's, we've, we've talked yeah, about here. Cause he's a, uh, he's a tree freak show. Yeah, um, freak show. Two more. Jay Black334 asks, who's your favorite recruit coming into Miami and favorite recruit overall from the 2024 class? So first, let's start with Miami. Who's your favorite 2024 player they signed? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's I think it's become Marquise Lightfoot. Um, you know, I hey. think, I, yeah, I mean, I just think that. I think Miami got them. I think Miami got themselves a good one. You know, yeah. uh, again, I think that these guys are are hard to come by, especially in the region that Miami got them from. Uh, I think he has a chance to be truly special. Like, I think he has like, I don't know, like I I don't want to like over. Like, I think he has like first round potential. Like, I think in a few years, like he has the chance to develop into like a premier if he pass rusher. Maintain the weight, right? If he can get on the weight and, and he can his back it up, twitch. Yeah, he will be. That type yeah, of yeah. The idea of him being a complete player, I think he has like that le- that level of of potential. Yeah. Like I think I think he can potentially be that special if if it all kind of clicks for him. So Marquis Lightfoot's probably my guy. Uh, favorite recruit? Or you want to start with the Miami one? Yeah. Like, well, you know, I echo you, right? So everything you said, and he was just a total stud in that All American game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good one. I don't know. We'll see about this year because he's got to gain some weight. Um, but he is going to be a good one. So for the whole class, is there a guy that sticks out to you? For me, it's just, it's Jeremiah Smith. Yeah. It's, it's total, Jeremiah Smith for me too. Total stud. I mean, yeah, just freak show. Like yeah. there's nothing else you could say. Just unreal. Probably a guy that'll, I mean, we'll see, right? Cause Ohio state's kind of changing their approach a little bit on offense this year, but probably a guy that'll push for a thousand yards as a true freshman. I would assume, yep. um, he's going to be a good one. All right, last question comes from King Cowboys, and he asks, way too early score prediction for August 31st. I'm going to go, again, I don't have like a, to- a ton of like logic or reasoning into this, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to go like, that hit. I'm just going to go like 27, 23 or something like that. Miami, Miami comes out of the swamp with a dub. All right, I'm going to say Miami 20. Gators 16. Oof. Defensive grind in the swamp. Oh, yeah. Reminder to take the under. I don't know what the over-under is going to be, but I'm <laughs> yeah, guessing it's going to be less than... Th- it's not going to be 36 points, so... <laughs> That's what I'm expecting. We'll see. Um, a low-scoring game. All right. This was good. Um, we'll do more of these here in the off-season. It's nice to just answer questions that people want to know about. 
And uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we'll get out of here on that. And until next time, take care.